Welcome to Accounting High. How to run an accounting practice. And what we're going to try to do with this book is bridge it all together and pull it all in as one concept of running a practice. How do we start to work more of that entrepreneurial mindset in what we're doing? We're really good at the technical stuff, but the part that we really weren't trained to do is to bring the entrepreneurial mindset back into accounting. When you're trying to help a client navigate a complex business model, you can't think like an accountant and keep up with them. You have to think like an entrepreneur. You and I both, we've been privy to getting insider conversations with people who are running very successful practices. Here are the stories of some of the people who run an accounting practice. Here's the story of some of the rappers. This is the kind of thing that they'll be teaching at Accounting High. May I have your attention, please? Welcome to Accounting High. It's freshman year at a brand new school. Here, we have no rules in place as we're on a mission to set our own traditions. So hang tight and learn with us as we grow. At Accounting High, you can expect to gain knowledge in a completely different way than what you may be used to with some fun and oftentimes colorful conversations involving some of the best teachers in the accounting industry. Whether you loved high school or you hated it, here's your chance to be a part of an unforgettable experience redone. While you're here, don't forget to follow us on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening to us right now so you don't miss out on any new episodes. And feel free to leave us a five-star review letting us know how the school year is treating you. In addition, share this episode on social media, tagging us at Accounting High. So sit back, relax, and open your mind because class is in session. I repeat, may I have your attention, please? This is another public service announcement brought to you in part by Accounting High. The views and events expressed here are of the next generation of accounting and tech professionals leading this space. The events and suggestions are not to be taken lightly. Children should not partake in the listening of this podcast. Anything else? Yeah. So without further ado, introducing the star of our show, Scotty and Terrell. We're going to have a problem here. Class is in session. We're in the media center. I'm with our our chief media center, our our the head of the library, our executive producer, Terrell Turner. What's up, homie? Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining me today. What are we what are we talking about today, Terrell? What 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 have we gathered here for? So today, what we are doing is we're bringing people into the behind the scenes look at the book that will be a bestseller in the accounting and finance space. And so, I mean, you and I have been so talking about... So I'll say this. I don't know if it'll be a bestseller, but it'll be required reading for our students, right? You all have to get the <laughs> textbook. So it'll by default, it'll be a bestseller if we have a lot of students. You know how you go to school and you have to get the textbook. You have no choice on the book. They just tell you which book you got to get, right? <laughs> Well, you know, what I think is this is going to be such a great book that it's going to bring students. You know, you usually don't see that at a school. Like no one says, hey, I came to this school because you guys have these textbooks. But we're going to do that. We're going to have special textbooks at Accounting High. 
interactive and this is this is part of that journey so yeah so continue i don't mean to interrupt but yeah, yeah so i mean I, and i think it, it's very important and i think for us of just letting people see that journey because i mean for me the way i envision this when you and i talked about this like yes we're writing a book but we want other authors to come from accounting high and so i think by them seeing the process of this unfolding I mean, because you and I both, we've interviewed a ton of people. And I think there's so many people that have great things to say and have great information to share. And so why not just be an open book to let people see that process so that other people will be like, hey, I want to follow a similar process because I got a book I want to put out too. An open book for the book. I love that. A behind the scenes look at the book as an open book. And we're going to go chapter by chapter, topic by topic, and go through. And, you know, we again, we don't have this written yet, so we're writing it sort of as we go. I mean, we have a lot of data. We've got a lot of conversations. we got a lot of knowledge that we're bringing forward with this. And now we're sort of in that process of refining it and making it ready for the book. We're coming up with stories that we're going to be telling within the within the book. We're going to come up with all the core topics of running a practice. So let's let's reveal at least for anybody that doesn't know, what are we calling this book? This book is How to Rap. So there's a play on that, two things. One is, you know, running an accounting practice. And then the other side is how to actually rap. And we're going to bring the two together in this one book. And I don't know if I'm qualified to teach anybody how to rap. I'm still <laughs> learning as I go. I'm actually reading the book called How to Rap. I love the play on words. You know, my double entendres, triple entendres. There's, there's this whole map in accounting. A lot of people are teaching map. And that's been around for a while now, managing an accounting practice. Ron Baker has talked about it a lot, or we talked about it in, in one of his episodes. Uh, Roger Connect, they teach map. Rap is our modern map. So it's the new map. It's the new rap is also like the new rock, the new, the new genre of music. It's still relatively new, it, you know, so to speak, when you're talking about in the ages of music. And then we're playing it as R-A-P, running and accounting practice. So it's from map to rap is what Ron's going to bless us with in his intro to the book or his, his you know, the... Is, is it the intro? Is it the forward? I think it's the forward, right? Mm -hmm. So from map to rap, this is how to rap, and this is how to run an accounting practice the modern way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's so relevant for that because even if you think about it from a music standpoint, at one point, you know, rock music was shaping the culture, and that was the new age thing. Now when you think about the music that tends to be shaping the culture. I mean, rap music is that thing that's shaping the culture. You're seeing it show up in so many different places. And, you know, and I, and I think it's just, this is just another part of that journey of where, you know, there were certain things that shaped the accounting industry and the practice of accounting. And so as a new, as there's a change in new generation from technology to exposure to just, you know, the market, what the market needs. I mean, that changes and evolves. And so I think it's, you know, it's the perfect time 
for you know introducing the from map to rap yeah and we're all in the middle of this huge change and shift in the profession the way it looks and the way it's going to look is entirely different than the way it did for our parents and for their parents and even just for the generation right before us not even our parents but the people that have been doing this for 10 15 years it is dramatically changed in that time period with the cloud with with everything that came with that now we have automations we have ai we have the blockchain we have all these things that didn't exist 10 years ago so we're going to synthesize all that in you know with all of the foundational things that map that worked with map that worked with the old ways of managing an accounting practice because there are still a lot of foundational things that that work and that will always work but what are the new things i don't think we're going to be prescriptive either about everything that we introduce we're going to make suggestions but everybody's different everybody's firm's different the way they run it is different too so we're not going to say this is the one way or this is the way it's going to be a lot of different innovative and suggestive ways based on the conversations that we've had and what we've learned along the way through the people that are actually doing it. So again, it's a perfect time to be doing something like this because it hasn't been defined. Everybody's still figuring it out. Everybody's bumping their heads along the way and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's the interesting part of the journey because I, earlier today, I did a webinar with, with our, our friends over at LiveFlow, and, and one of the things that I was talking about was, I was like, you know, some of the stuff that I'm doing in my accounting practice that if, let's say, you know, the people that I learned accounting from, like the people who taught me accounting, if, I, if they heard that I was doing this in my accounting practice, they would probably be like, you know what, Terrell, that is not what I taught you. There is no way that I can fly. But it's making me money and it's helping solve the problem that the clients have. And so and I think that, you know, we're, we're living in this time where, you know, we do need a bit more experimentation on the approaches that we're taking and how we're actually solving the real problems that our clients are having or solving the problems that our staff members are running into. And I think, yeah, it's definitely a time for some things need to, some perspectives need to be updated or re-examined so that we can continue to thrive in this new environment. I love that you brought up making money and solving problems because that should be our North stars too, right? (laughs) Solving problems first and foremost. And it's been a couple of, it's been in a couple of titles recently of episodes that are coming out and making money. I mean, that's that should be, we're in business to make money. There should be no shame in that too. And those are two things that we're going to thread through the themes of this book is how do we solve our clients' problems and keep that intentional? You know, we're not doing this stuff for us or for the IRS or any of the reporting agencies. We're doing this to help clients and we're doing this to solve their problems and we should be paid more than fairly for that too. Yeah. So. But, and, and, you know, I think that's one of the, the downsides that's happened in the industry is, you know, for a period of time, I think the rules and the rule makers in the industries, I mean, from the standard boards, the IRS, like what they were asking for became the thing that we started building towards. 
It's almost like we're working in the accounting industry to follow the rules. And it's just like, wait, 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 wait. Accounting was supposed to be designed to help, you know, the people who are either running or building businesses or investing in businesses to help them understand what's going on so they can make smarter decisions. But it's somewhere along the way, we stopped focusing on that and we started focusing on how do we follow the rules that the regulators are giving us. And, and it created this disconnect between, you know, what the paying customer wants from us versus what the regulator is asking us to do. And, and I don't think the regulators had any bad intentions. It's just when you start to get so far away from like, hey, what are we here for? I think, you know, it starts to get very confusing and, you know, rightfully so it created a gap. And for a lot of people, technology stepped in and started solving that problem. Because, for example, when it comes down to like basic accounting for like business owners, a lot of business owners that I met have, you know, presumed that like, oh, why do I need to hire an accountant? I have QuickBooks. And in Mm. their mind, they're like, QuickBooks or Zero or whatever accounting software they're using, like this does what an accountant does. And I'm like, well, not really. It's a tool that you can use to do the accounting, but it doesn't replace, it doesn't completely replace the need of an accountant. And and I think because we got so focused on following the rules, technology stepped in and tried to start solving the problem for us. And I'm like, hey, there's a wide open opportunity for accounting professionals to really get re-engaged and focus on how do we solve problems. May I have your attention, please? Live flow. Ooh. We're going to continue this train of, of live flow flow. And we're going to have Terrell come on. If you have the skill of an accountant and you think like an entrepreneur, you can help every one of your clients make an extra a minimum several thousand dollars a month, depending on the size of the business, based on the limitations of the process. If you want faster responses from me, we need to make an investment in a tool. I'm going to help you make more money so you will be able to afford this and other stuff you want to do. You recognized there were limitations in the process and it was your process that was being limited. Restraints sheets out of date, creating daily time constraints in case you misplace data, chasing clients as they run away. It's safe to say it only takes a few minutes to copy paste. When you finish, you wasted days as you delicately navigate. You come through and hope sales don't break and make sure no mistakes were made. Ain't up to date, you changed the date, but now you're in the wrong decade. So LiveFlow came to save the day, upgrade old ways and change the game. The time you save created space to double your entire client base. No trouble raising your compliance rates, eliminate migraine headaches. They integrate with live updates, so no more copy, no more paste. The day you consolidate stays up to date when not awake explain a way to take the same template you made the other day just duplicate don't recreate they paved the way to plug and play they elevate amazing ways as they upgrade and iterate a no-brainer favorite greatest new cloud-based tool to automate to give a great i give an a and job to say live flow is just a play on that word processes workflows processes live flow right so live flow is being inserted in that process to then create an entirely new process that's better too and that's their product. I think that's beautiful. It's awesome how you did that. So you said gap, and that's where technology, that's where this book steps in is we're bridging the gap between map and rap, right? Where technology is a huge part of that gap from map to rap. It's technology, it's the cloud. It's also 
our mindsets around all this stuff too. Compliance isn't what we're selling, but it used to be. And I think a lot of firms still, like you said, they still revolve around that. You're selling the tax return or the report or the payroll that you have to do. All of these things are things that have to be done. And a lot of firms evolved to that's what we're charging for. That's the problem that they're solving, but that's not a problem. That's something that has to be done. Sometimes there's a problem and people don't do that. They haven't filed the taxes in years. That's a problem. And that needs to be solved. But what's the, what's the root of the problem? Why didn't they file the taxes for all those years? Or why didn't they get these things done and start getting to the root of these problems and not just going and prescribing the tax return? You know, that's, that's part of the problem with our medical system too, is they're just prescribing prescriptions and handing out scripts to solve what could be real root problems with somebody's health. So we're getting to the bottom of the health issues here and trying to prevent those from happening. So what we can do is look toward why do we get into this in the first place? Why do we get into accounting? Why are we working with businesses and start figuring out if we can get back to that, then we can also enjoy what we're doing too and have a little bit of fun while we're doing it. That's always been my goal is to have fun in everything that I'm doing. And how do we bring that toward others? I'm doing it through rap or I'm doing it through the show, you know, through the fun metaphors like high school, you know, we're calling this a textbook. All this stuff should be fun and engaging. How do we do that? And while still solving the compliance problems and while still doing those things that we're supposed to be doing anyway, but that should be an afterthought. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, because, you know, when you think about, you know, what it is that we do and you get so focused on just following the rules of how we do it, not only does it not solve the problem, it also creates an internal issue because it becomes hard to recruit people to come into the profession if all you're doing is following the compliance rules. Because, like, People look at that and say, that doesn't look interesting. And unless you're going to pay me a ton of money to do it, it's not going to be interesting. Plus, the customers are like, if all you're doing is following rules, why should I pay you more? And yeah. so it's like you create this, you know, this, this, this self-defeating problem by not focusing on like, hey, if we go back to the basics, what problem does accounting really solve? And when you lose sight of that, it's like you just set yourself on a downward trend towards an outcome that where no one really wants to be in this industry. And even when I talk to like accountants who are in the industry that have been in the industry, they're talking about, man, I wish I would have done something different. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're all leaving. One thing you brought up too is, is the rules, right? And I think the rules are meant to be followed, but by definition, AI is going to be able to follow those rules. Automation is going to be able to follow those rules. We need to be able to step in and insert ourselves in the interpretation of how that's being done. I think we're already seeing now AI is filling a huge gap in our thought process, and we're able to use it in ways that we probably never never imagined. And that's only going to increase very fast. I mean, exponentially, it's going to increase in a short period of time, in just the time, we didn't even know what ChatGPT was last year, or AI you, being able to use it as a common, you know, tool, like our, within our toolkit, 
that's going to drastically change the way that we work with our clients too. And once that's able to start filling in those gaps and start doing things like fill in returns and pull data from the right places with the right information, it's going to be able to do that. How do we still add value to that process? So it's not going to be about compliance. I've, I've always worried about this. Like what happens when the full tax returns automated? What's our job going to look like? We're going to be advisors to clients. Yeah. Account, accounting is going to become advising. And I think it, it still should be now. I don't know if they're going to change the word accounting to advising because all the tools are going to be accounting for us. For us, We're going to be interpreting what's been accounted for with the tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I do think that takes a different mindset. So like when you and I were thinking about, like when you posed the idea about a book to me and it was like, okay, all right, we're already creating a ton of content. We're doing podcasts. We're doing video. I mean, we already had a ton of, I mean, there are people out there that are writing blogs. So just like why another book? (laughs) I mean, and and like I said, and and since then we've introduced raps, you got rap videos. Like I said, we're, we're, we're working on this book. And and I do think a, a lot of it, as you start to go back to the basics of just like, Hey, we're solving a problem. Like there are still many people who learn from reading a book. Like, we can create a ton of content, but that may not be the preferred learning method or that may not be the best way for people to learn about some of these concepts. So, I mean, I think writing the book gives us another way to help people close this gap on how to run an effective you know, accounting practice and then also how to enjoy it too. Yeah. How to run an accounting practice. That's that's exactly what we're doing. And it's, it's a, again, it's like a really good time to do that because a lot of the conversations we're having on both of our platforms and everywhere else outside of that are all very similar, but they're about different things. And what we're going to try to do with this book is bridge it all together and pull it all in as one concept of running a practice. And and hopefully this is the kind of thing that they'll be teaching at Accounting High at the different <laughs> class levels. You know, this is going to be our, our freshman edition, I guess. That's what we're working on. It might come out in sophomore year, whenever that is. So, I Yeah, and it. I will say, I mean, if I have anything to say about the curriculum, one of the things that I'm looking for is, you know, how do we start to work more of that entrepreneurial mindset in what we're doing because whenever I'm speaking or I'm traveling anywhere and I'm talking about like, hey, how, what we're doing in our accounting practice, a lot of it is I'm like, hey, we're really good at the technical stuff. Like I'm trained to do the technical stuff. We know that stuff. But the part that we really weren't trained to do is to bring the entrepreneurial mindset back into accounting and and. You start seeing that when you're trying to help a client navigate, you know, a complex business model. Like you can't think like an accountant and keep up with them. Like you have to think like an entrepreneur and then you have to adapt your your technical accounting knowledge to that entrepreneurial situation to provide, you know, some advice, to provide some clarity, to help, you know, that entrepreneur and 
to help potential investors or bankers as they're looking at that business to help them understand it. You got to think outside of the terms of the technical skills that we were taught from the past. I just recorded with Jeannie Whitehouse and she said there's three sets that people need to shift, learn and grow with. It's the mindset, the tool set and the skill set. You got to start with the mindset. We got to shift shift that and change the way we're looking at these problems and change the way we're looking at our practices, change the way we're running things. And then comes the tool sets that come with that. That's the software, that's the live flows, that's the other tools that we can use at our practices and then build skill sets around that new mindset and around those, those tool sets. So I think that's going to be part of the curriculum. She's going to be another instructor, faculty at Accounting High. We, we <laughs> just keep adding to this roster here and it's all stars all across the board. It's people that have been doing this for a while. So I love it. And that's going to be con- all contributors to the book. This book has been written by the people for the people. That's everything that we do here at Accounting High. That's what we did with the tournament. That's what we're doing with this book. So, Absolutely. And my goal is, is to push the limits on things. There may be some things that people read in the book and they're just like, and they're going to feel what, what I would say is one of the things that I want to capture is there's some stuff people are going to read in the book where they're going to read it and it just feels a little bit of a tug to them to where it's just like everything in my technical training is telling me no, but it's just like, hey, when we step outside of the technical training and we look at it from what problem are we solving? Like this makes perfect sense because I do think there are some areas where it clashes. And and I'll give an example. Like I was on a call with a, with the entrepreneur, it called me and they were explaining that they wanted to understand what was going on with their numbers a bit more. And so they had talked to several accountants and everybody had talked to them about, you know, bookkeeping. We go to the financial statements and, it just still wasn't making sense to them. And so in the call with them, I was like, well, how about we do this? I I just pulled up a simple spreadsheet. Here's what we're going to do. What is the beginning balance in your bank account? How much money did you spend? How much money did you have coming in? And then let's look at the variance, the net, you know, the ending balance. When I walked through that simple layout, they were like, oh my gosh, this makes sense. (laughs) And it's one of those things where it's like, No technical accounting training will ever give you a version of a P&L that looks like that. Like, (laughs) And and nobody's going to say, look at the bank statement to figure out all these concepts. They're going to want to teach outside of that. So you're you're helping them understand because that's probably what that entrepreneur was doing anyway, was looking at their bank account and trying to determine how well they've done, how much is in the bank account. Mm -hmm. And and so, I mean, I think, you know, when... I was telling someone about that and, they, and I was telling another accountant about that. They were just kind of like, well, they, they can just get that if they just look at their cash flow statement. I'm like, well, you're right, but this person isn't going to understand that. They aren't going to, they are not, this, this business owner was not going to stay engaged long enough to actually see that in the cash flow statement. So I'm like, we have to start with something that they understand. Now, after they get comfortable with that, then we can graduate them up to looking at financial statements. But just based on the conversation I was having with them, I was like, they're not ready to look at financial statements like they can get there. But we got to start with 
solving the problem and the pain point that they're feeling. And then let's go through that journey of graduating them to other things. Now, like I said, none of your technical accounting training would ever recommend that you go that route. They would probably say, use the direct or the indirect method of cash flow statement. And it's just like, they're not going to get that. This is why Mike Michalowicz calls himself accounting infamous sometimes because he's re- he's introduced an entirely new way of looking at profit. You know, his whole book started a revolution, Profit First. There's a lot of accountants that follow that, but that's an entirely different way of looking at your business. And it's got the entrepreneur in mind because his objective is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. And that's the big problem with a lot of the way we do things is it's all after the fact. And we're, we're figuring everything else after the fact. He's putting profit first and he's letting business owners think differently about their financials and think differently about running their business and put themselves first so they don't have to go through years of struggle just for that possible eventual payoff or running in that hamster wheel in place. I think a lot of accountants do that because they have them. And we're going to teach people how to get out of that hamster wheel. I was in that hamster wheel for a long time. The way I ran my business, the way that I managed the team, the way that I managed the work, the workflows, I was stuck in the middle of it. I was that bottleneck. I was the one that prevented us from getting to that next level or from growing. I prevented myself too getting in our own way. I think a lot of accountants, we get in our own ways. Yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm very interested in, you know, bringing stories like that to life. Because, I mean, even when you think back to when you were going, you know, when you came to that realization of like, hey, I'm the one that's getting in the way. Like, you know, it's me that's stopping this firm from growing. Like, I think... There is a whole emotional journey that you probably had to go through to recognize that, hey, you, Scott, are the roadblock. And then going through that process, figuring out how to get out of the way. I think there are not enough people who are sharing that part of the story to where most people are talking about, oh, yeah, these are the techniques that I did. But I'm just like, there's a whole emotional pull that goes with that of you having to get out of the way and you realizing that, hey, I'm the reason why my firm isn't growing. And it's like, how do you deal with that? So you can, because that is a big ego shot. (laughs) I mean, and I think a lot of people, their business fails because they don't know how to navigate the emotions around that. So, I mean, that's another aspect of, I think, the book that we're going to write in there is, it's not just, hey, here are the technical things you need to do. Like, here's the real life story of what the journey looks like. Yeah, yeah. And again, just changing the way we think about things. I got another good story about about that around the time when I learned about Ron Baker's method of value pricing. And I'm part of a system that's supposed to be teaching me how to do things at my firm. Paget's a franchise and a lot of that foundational knowledge of running a firm, running a practice, I got from there. But I'm somebody that always questions everything. And I, I think it, early on, that's what I did. Every time they told us to do something, I did it differently. And usually I just did it on my own in the background. But in this case, I brought it forward to them because the way they were teaching us how to price was dramatically different than what Ron Baker has been teaching. And 
you know, he's moved on to subscriptions now, but this was value pricing, 101, early days value pricing. And I brought it forward to them. You know, I had the big, I had the courage to bring it forward to them. And they pretty much just laughed in my face like everything else. Like when I suggested that we should be marketing ourselves online and building websites <laughs> for firms, they laughed in my face for that too. But in this case, it was like, this was my mentor that basically said, you know, this is crazy. That's not going to work. Maybe I did I did a disservice. Maybe I wasn't, you know, he just basically said I was nuts. And I don't know, but I still felt like Ron was right. And I still felt like this is going to work. And I kept doing it. Fast forward a few years later, and that same mentor came to me. And he said he's going to be teaching value pricing to other firms. And he thanked me. He admitted he was wrong. I had still been using it. I had been bastardizing it. And then when he started teaching it, I even, you know, got more levels to what I was able to apply it even better. So it's one of those things that if you question things and you do things differently, you're going to be met with a lot of resistance. I think Ron's always met with a lot of resistance and his ideas, his ideas are, are drastically different than what we've been taught and the way that we've been raised in this profession outside of the profession it's pretty common. I mean, you, you, your eyes have always been outside of accounting too. So you see what's going on outside of our profession too. And you can see how our ideas and the way we think things should be done kind of hurts us and we get in our own way. So rethinking the way we do things is super hard. I think that we don't even realize we, have, we don't have a lot of self-awareness when it comes to our worldview. Sometimes it's that's the reality. That's the way we have to do it. It's the way we've always done it. There's no other way to do this. And then this was an example of now it just became part of the curriculum. And, and this was before he died. You know, he's, he's, he's gone now, but he changed the way that they were teaching how to do things within the whole system. And at first he met me with your nuts. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think that's our advantage being able to look at things differently. I think you've always done that. I do that and instinctually and I'm always going to question the way things are done because there's got to be a better way. Like if we've been doing this this way for this long, we got to figure out a better way to do this, especially if we're complaining about the way we're doing it. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I think that that is so true because a mindset that I tend to adopt is there is somebody out there who is trying to innovate this industry, they're trying to innovate this, this this aspect of an industry. I mean, because I think back to you know, back in the like when I you know, I guess you say as as early in life as I could remember, like my family, we lived in Germany, and during that time, you had one channel that was in English, and it was the news came on, the cartoons came on. The shows for the adults came on because it was only one channel in English. One this was, channel, one feed. <laughs> and this is like said, this was what we, we moved there in what the late 80s, kind of 1990s. So this is before the Berlin Wall came down to where it's a very different world living in Germany. And one of the things that if you would have said back then, hey, you know what? There is going to come out a channel where... If kids want to watch cartoons, there is going to be one channel that just constantly pushes out cartoons 
where you don't have to only watch cartoons in the morning. And people were just like, ah, yeah, whatever. A few years later, Cartoon Network came out (laughs) to where it was just like, hey, somebody was thinking about how to solve. Somebody recognized this was a problem and they were trying to solve it. And, And I think the same thing is happening in the accounting industry, whereas there were a lot of things that we probably got comfortable with of like, hey, this is how we make money. Like, for example, when it comes down to, to you know, tax returns, like some people got really comfortable. Hey, here's how tax returns are done. And then technology started coming out to automate that process. Now, your entire business model is now in jeopardy because this technology came out and it's disrupting. And people are like, well, why should I pay you to do my tax return? TurboTax can do it for a, you know, a, a fraction of the price. Now, of course, if you have some certain complexities, maybe you still, like I said, the technology isn't ready to take on your most complex oh, but situations, there. but it's getting there. <laughs> yeah, it's really getting there. I mean, it, you know, a lot of accountants, they like to bash TurboTax, but have they used it? Have they used the newer version of it? Because it's asking questions that we forget to ask sometimes. And it's guiding the user through that preparation journey that we, you know, it's, it probably asks fewer questions too than we ask with our organizers, our client organizers. <laughs> and, the, and we're still using those. And everybody complains about the organizers. You know, in our, in our case, we've, we've sort of changed the way we're doing it, but we still are asking all those questions. So is TurboTax, you know, and, and it's now they have TurboTax live too. So they have somebody guiding you through that journey. So then what happens? Do we become taxi cabs? Do accountants become the yellow cab? And we're only in areas that where people can't access that technology or can't use it because that's what happened to taxis. What happened to Blockbuster Video? You know, there used to be a Blockbuster. There used to be a video store. Every shopping center, everywhere you went, there was videos. And I remember being young and my mom saying, you know, one day people are going to be able to, she didn't say stream, but people are going to be able to watch anything from just a box on their TV. You won't have to go to the store. And we were telling her, oh, you're crazy. Like that's, you know, you gotta, you gotta go to Blockbuster to get your movies. You gotta rent the movies here. And it went from tapes to DVDs and it just got, and now anything you could imagine is at your fingertips on your phone, even like any form of entertainment all through the ages, anything that you watched from those days in Germany is probably on YouTube somewhere too. You know, all the old commercials, we can look anything up and watch anything at a moment's notice. And that's the same thing with music, you know, CD stores, stores that sold any type of media, you know, they're all done. Like nobody really adapted. Blockbuster saw it coming too. And they, they saw it a mile away and they still didn't really do anything about it. So I don't want us to be Blockbuster or taxis, you know, I I mentioned taxis and then it quickly shifted to Blockbuster, but everybody knows what happened to taxis with Uber. Yeah. There's a lot of disruptive technologies and there's going to be that killer app that basically knocks us out of the running when it comes to doing compliance work. So we're going to be left with, we need to adapt now and keep ourselves relevant. And I think that's the advisor. We're already seeing huge, huge exodus in the profession. Our talent pool is almost empty everybody's having trouble hiring. We're all going overseas. We're going to talk about offshoring in the book too, but we're also going to talk about who do you hire now that 
the make, general makeup of a firm is going to change. And you're not necessarily hiring people to do that lower level work. And you don't need a team of people in the back room doing all of that data entry and the manual grunt work, the simple tasks that we can automate. Who are you going to hire? And does it need to be a CPA? Does it need to be a licensed professional or even a trained accountant? Or can you hire somebody that's just good at interfacing with clients and interfacing with technology? Um, mm -hmm. Somebody that can have a yeah. conversation and learn that has the soft skills. So uh, that's an entirely different approach to we're going to put a job ad up and we're going to need a CPA with experience. We're talking about people with no experience and with no license. They could be the best employees that you hire too. And that pool is wide open. That's evergreen. The yeah. people that can interface, you know, some of the best hires that I've had are moms with kids that don't really have that much experience, but are willing to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that becomes a, a aspect of running an accounting practice that we haven't had to deal with before, because I mean, it can become a competitive advantage because let's say if you're the firm where you only hire, you know, CPAs with experience, but you're competing against another firm who has figured out processes and how to hire people that don't have that level of experience, but they can still get the job done. Like that firm may have an advantage over you because you can't hire as many as many CPAs as they can hire inexperienced employees because their costs are going to be lower, which means they can compete against you in a way that you can't. And like I said, at one point in time when we had the, I guess you would say, I call them similar to the cab industry where in New York you had to buy a medallion. So you had these massive gatekeepers. But yeah. when something came out to where people no longer valued the medallion as much as they used to because, hey, that barrier to entry has just been either wiped out or it has just been made irrelevant. When that starts to happen and, you know, we're seeing that happen in many ways, like in the accounting industry, where like at one point in time, people, you needed to have a CPA to the do CPA your CPA was the medallion. Now, now you can get an EA to do them or there are people who are who are running very legit businesses and they are getting someone who is neither a CPA nor an EA to do their taxes for them because they're like, hey, this person understands what I need done. And that person's doing it to where it's just like, hey, the medallions are no longer as relevant as they used to be, you know, in certain parts of the industry. And I think, you know, a lot of accountants are struggling to figure out how do I compete against, you know, the other options that my client or potential clients have now. And, and I think, like I said, the book of how to run an accounting practice in the modern world will help, you know, them kind of start to think through that. Like, hey, how do you modernize your firm so you can still thrive and compete in the new world? So all that being said, what does any of this have to do with rap? Right? <laughs> it's just the acronym that I'm using. I love rap. That's like, well, I love music. Music is is, is my heart. And growing up, I just thought everybody loved music as much as I did. All aspects, all all kinds of music. I, I love it all because it speaks to me. It speaks to my emotions. It could speak to you know 
at the core who I am as a person. I could listen to a song and help understand my own emotions better. Um, I can articulate things that I've been thinking or wanting to, you know, just just thoughts that I couldn't get through. Music helped break through those. There's a lot of similarities between that. You know, I talk about, you know, music is another language too. Finance and business, your episode on the show was the language of business. Finance and accounting is the language of business. And I think some people have always looked at rap in a certain way, and it's always been this other type of music that maybe, and people used to look at rock that way too. But rap, I think, is very much related to the way that we look at the cloud and the way we look at technology in accounting. And a lot of accountants traditionally, you know, especially the traditional ones, have looked at that and automation as the threat to taking away from what they do. And I think other people looked at rap as a threat to take away from what rock has built or what any other type of music before that has built because rap did come in and take from old forms of music. They took from jazz and took from stuff from the 70s and 80s and remixed it, sampled it. And that's what rap did a lot of. And that's that's what we would be doing. We'd be taking stuff from other industries and from other professions and ways that it's been done and applying it to the way we can do it to accounting. So we take things from entrepreneurs, we take things from finance and other forward-looking professions, and how do we apply that to our traditional way of looking at things in accounting? That's, that's a couple of comparisons. For me, too, again, I just love rap, so I could probably draw a ton of different compare, like analogous ways to running a practice, running a practice and rap. So I think we'll do that, and we'll, I'll try to thread that needle as we go. Everything I do is just copying from one thing and applying it to another. That's all I'm do- all I've done with my raps. Eventually, mm-hmm. I got to start doing some original stuff, and I will when the time comes. But right now, I'm still a student of it. I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. So each one I do is taking the template from somebody that I've grown up listening to. So the live flow one was Ti Rihanna, and mm-hmm. I wanted to model both of my verses exactly how Ti did it, so I could learn how he did it. It sounds effortless when you listen to his. And hopefully the live flow rap that I did sounds effortless. It wasn't, but it sounds like it at the final version. So I want this book to be look and feel and read effortlessly for the reader. It's going to be a lot of work, but we'll get there. Yeah. No, I, I think that's very true because, I mean, when you think about the evolution of, you know, of rap and, and how that came on the scene to where... Early on, when it came onto the scene, people were just like, oh, no one wants to listen to that. Well, what is this? When you think about like early days of like people like Run DMC to where it was just like, no one wants to hear that. But, you know, it's something that evolved and it became catchy. And as technology evolved, and like I said, with the music industry, used to have, you know, the gatekeepers were the record labels and the radio. And as you started to see the power of the record labels and the radio kind of diminish and more people started to get direct access to music, you saw people started gravitating to one over the other. And I think that's very similar to, you know, with the the, the state of accounting is 
as the the you know the the power of the gatekeepers as that decreases and people start getting access to more things like for example there's so many business owners that I talk to that have access to an accounting system whereas before accounting systems kind of went online and before you can buy a desktop version you know the only people who had access to accounting systems were accountants sure and over time you know, business owners started getting direct access to it. Now it was just like, hey, you know what? How do I get this tool to give me my financial information in a way that relates and connects with me? And the same, same thing happened with rap, where people started looking for, hey, who's an artist that can speak and deliver the message in a way that relates to me? And I think the same thing is happening in the accounting because... Now, people aren't just looking for any accountant. They want who's the accountant who's going to be able to speak my language and make this relate to me. Because I will say, if you talk to any you know artist or you talk to people who like rap music, they may not like all rappers, but there are certain rappers that they're like, hey, that person I get, I really like. When that person puts something out, like... It really speaks to me. And I think the same thing happens in the accounting industry where you'll find like, even for myself, I am not the right accountant, nor are we the right firm for every type of business. Like we're looking to do business with the people who are fans of what we do. And I think more accounting practices have to start thinking like that. Like you are not the artist for everybody. You are the artist for a, you know, there is a key audience that you need to be focused on. And your audience, if you do it right, can be big enough for you to win without trying to get everybody. That's the niche. That's the perfect example. Lil Dicky talks about this in The Professional Rapper with Snoop, you know, He's going after an entirely different market. He says, that's the market y'all miss. That's the market I'll hit. That's my niche. And he's he's doing something entirely different. He's looking at the whole thing different. And that's how some accountants have been looking at it. You know, I'm going to go after just this one industry. Jody Grundon's a perfect example of that, who started early on and said, we're going we're gonna to go after just this one industry and we're going to do it better than anybody else. We're going to market to them. We're going to speak at their conferences. We're going to do everything we can for that one industry. And look at where that led him. I was just hanging out with Jody in Italy. And I know you just released an episode with him this week or last week. And look at where look at where he ended up by doing that. It was a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of people telling him you're doing it wrong, you're doing it differently. And they still they pushed through years of low margins or losing money to the point where and they've always been an open book they've always been sharing everything they've been doing he's going to be a great like contributor or guest to this too or at least we can attribute a lot of things to his our my most popular episode is the model cloud accounting firm and that's jody jody's one of the rappers here he's running a practice and now he's still running it but he's been acquired and he's got a huge payday and a lot of the work has paid off and now he's He's still passionate about it and he's still doing this thing. He's still teaching. And, you know, that's that's like a lot of rappers too. They've been around, they've already had success, they've already cashed out, but they're still doing it for the love of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's important too, because 
even similar to the rap industry, there are a ton of rappers out there who, you know, got into the game and they're not seeing any success at all. I mean, they're, they're, they're struggling. Now, some of them, they're finding their way. Some of them are just making very obvious mistakes. Or let me say, they're making mistakes that are obvious to someone who's gone down the road before, but that person doesn't know it. And they're not going to make it very far. They keep making those same mistakes. And I think that's where, you know, way we look at this book is this book will actually lay out like, hey, here's the stories of some of the people who have gone down different paths. Here's the stories of some of the people in, or as you put it, here's the stories of some of the rappers, the people who run in accounting practice. Here's yeah. the stories of some of the rappers to where you can learn from some of the pitfalls that they've had. Because, I mean, you and I both, we've been privy to getting insider conversations with people who are running very successful practices to where there have been many times where I'm like, like even when, you know, when you and I first met in person in Vegas, we're sitting by the poolside, you know, it was my first time meeting Kenji and Matt. And so Matt and I are sitting there poolside and we're having a conversation. And there were some things that Matt said that I'm just like, oh, my gosh, like that just saved me three years of hard work just by listening to what you just said. Because like I was going to go down the wrong path and it was probably going to take me three years to probably work myself out of the hole that I was going to put myself in that I'm just like, oh my gosh, that was brilliant. And, and I think that's what the book will do is just lay out the stories of some of those rappers and to help people understand like, yes, you can show up in the industry in your own unique way, but hey, here are some key elements you want to have in place to give yourself the best chance at success. Acuity is right in the raps. They're they're the rappers. They're they're definitely going to be right in raps for this book for sure. They're guides for the future because they're doing things in what they have always said are weird ways because they're different. Their show, drink while you think. They always open up with some couple of accountants doing things in really weird ways. Well, it's not going to be so weird when it becomes commonplace. They're adapting to the modern world. And they're doing it publicly and they're talking about their, you know, their wins and their losses as they go. They've made acquisitions. They've done things completely differently and they've changed it along the way and they've iterated. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be hearing from them. Absolutely, man. So, like I said, the, the book won't just be you and I sharing our own perspectives. I mean, it will be featuring other rappers who are some who are deep in the trenches, some that are early in their journey and there are some hurdles that they've gotten over that they'll share. And then there will be some who are a little further along in their rap career. And then there will be others who are, you know, like who are on a, yeah, who are on a different side of the rap career. And then like I said, ultimately you'll have some people who are retired who are looking back and saying, man, I wish I was still in the industry now based still on what the game. I know. <laughs> Stop disrespecting the game. I got an episode coming out. Stop disrespecting the accounting game because a lot of people disrespect the game too. And we're trying to change the game. That's what we're, that's what we're here to do. This game has been played long enough and it'll be, it'll be played long after we're gone. I hope it will be. It will. It'll just look differently and it's, 
and it already looks differently now than it did yesterday. So tomorrow, this is the book for tomorrow. This is how to wrap part one. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for coming here today, Terrell. We're, we're on this journey. It's Terrell Turner, Scott Scarano, TTSS, how to wrap.